Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It's Todd Feinberg. It's Todd Feinberg. Monday through Friday, 3 till 6 on WTIC News Talk 1080. WTIC, good afternoon. Thanks for being here. We're talking balloons. Balloons. Are they popping in your mind? Jim, hello there. Yes, Jim. Hello, Jim. Good road noise, huh? And a nice blinker sound effect from Jim. Let's try Steve in Torrington. Hi, Steve. Hey, how are you doing? Just have a minute, Steve. Go quick. Oh, hey, I was just wondering, uh, when they shot the thing down, why did they have to blast it with a missile and not just strafe it with, like, an A-10 and shoot the balloon itself so we could see what was underneath it? Yeah, it, that's an interesting question. I was wondering the same thing. Throw, Put a bullet through it, watch it come down slowly. But the uh, argument against that, I suppose, would be they they said they wanted to do it inside the territorial limits of the united states within 12 miles of our shore so they couldn't have it traveling too far after it got fired upon and uh they wouldn't have known where it was gonna crash land if it was over land what do you think of that well even if it was over the ocean why did they have to send a missile at it and not just uh bring it down slowly we could probably recover it yeah, uh, it's possible. It's possible that we might have been able to. The, but uh, 12 miles isn't very far with a moving object. Um, I, I suppose there might have been a way to drop some people into it, too, and they could have, like, driven it down. But that could have been dangerous, too. It's interesting, Steve. Thank you for the ideas. 860-522-9842. What's happening on the roads this afternoon? We turn to Mark Christopher, who I hate to say was laughing at me just a couple of minutes ago, but he's in the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. Hi, Mark. Live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. We'll take more phone calls in a few minutes, but, but we have to talk with Mike Munger. He's a political science professor at Duke, used to be the chair of the political science department at Duke, and wrote a fascinating article years ago that is still relevant called Unicorn Governance. Professor, welcome to WTIC. Thanks for being here. It is a pleasure to talk to the last sane public figure in all of New England. Well, um, I don't know if I'm a public figure. I'm just a radio host, but thank you nevertheless. 
this is uh, I loved your article. I love this idea because I'm always wondering why why people are protesting the government like they're protesting uh, police violence. And then they say, let's expand government. We need bigger government to take care of this problem. Why do they trust so deeply the things that offend them so much? They have in mind, and it, as I talk about in the article, um, it is. It took me a long time to understand this because the paradox that you just laid out, government is really bad, we need more of it, just seems illogical. And yet it's, it happens all the time. And the, the answer is they imagine a government different from the one that we have, and that's, that's what's going to happen next time. So maybe there's going to be someone new elected or someone's going to take over. They have in mind a thing which is different from the government that they're uh, getting. A fantasy government. A unicorn. And the thing is, here's the thing. The thing that's complicated is unicorns exist. You might say, wait, that other kind of government doesn't exist. It does exist. It exists in their minds. And when they say it, they all have the same vision. So not only does it exist, it is a shared concept that all of them agreed on. Now, ah. you may say it doesn't exist in the real world, but the fact is if I say unicorn and we both close our eyes and think about it, we both see the same thing. That's why unicorn governance is the problem. They imagine a new kind of police force, a new kind of government that's going to be different from the one that we have Yes, there's a drawback that that doesn't exist in the actual world, but maybe next time. So the bad government is an anomaly by default, and the, it, they're guided by this hope of the, the beautiful creature that will be it, in it, charge it, in the future. It, it's not just a hope. It's their definition. It's actually what they refer to when they say government. Uh -huh. And so I, in the article, I propose the Munger test. Anytime somebody says, I think the state should be in charge of this. They should take out the word the state, because there's no such thing as the state. The state is a unicorn. The state is people. The state is people who are carrying out functions like trying to get reelected and carrying reelected and getting and carrying guns around. So instead of the state, they should say Donald Trump or Nancy Pelosi. I'm not trying to make a partisan point. So if you say I think the state should be in charge of deciding what's the truth and what should be on the radio. Take that out and then say, I think Donald Trump should be – and they don't mean it anymore. So the, the, the point is, once you take away their imaginary alternative and put in real people, a lot of, a lot of the time they'll say, well, I don't mean that. That's not what I mean. <laughs> so is it possible to get one of these unicorn uh, believers or thinkers, whatever, however we would term them, to, um, to change their mind given the – what a vivid – example of this is if you say to somebody who loathes Donald Trump, who wants expanded government, and then you say to them, well, so you want Donald Trump to administer this new power yeah. when he gets reelected. Does this change the course that they're traveling on? Now, see, this was apparently my unicorn, because you have, you have put your finger on exactly what my imaginary hope was. It used to be I had to say something about, well, suppose a president that you really disagreed with, but it's no longer hypothetical. There was a president they really disagreed with. It can clearly happen. And so what I try to say is, suppose that you create all these new powers for the state. 
Well, you should never create a sword that you don't want to see wielded by your worst enemy because mm. you're going to lose an election. And they're completely unpersuaded by that. What they say is we have to change things so that we never lose again. And that's chilling. Frankly, Todd, that's a little bit chilling. <laughs> they have not taken your political science courses, I suspect. Um, they, they have not. Now, you, you're a political Scientologist yourself. You studied political science at Tufts. The, the people who study political science who think in these terms often think in terms of systems rather than in terms of real people. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we'll pass a law, we'll, we'll have a new procedure, we'll have a process. In fact, that's usually the thing that when someone says this is complicated, we, we have to have a process. Who's this we? In fact, things often work out pretty well on their own in a decentralized way if you just keep your hands off of it. So the, I, I find it very frustrating that the, the, the reaction to having a government they really disagreed with, and this is just what you said, I'm repeating it, mm -hmm. what we need is a much bigger, stronger government as a result, and then we're just going to have to hope we never lose again. It's a, it's a fascinating situation. So I, I think about, I say to people, well, don't think about the people. It's not so much about the individuals, it's about the system, because what I yeah. see is, and I'm not sure if I'm at odds with your theory here, because I agree with your theory, but I also see that people get elected to, say, the state legislature, and they go there all excited and idealistic about what they're going to achieve. And and maybe these people are suffering from the unicorn uh, delusion as well. They then they get there and they work really hard to get there maybe they lose an election or two before they win one and so they've invested years and tons of knocking on doors and sweating on hot days and freezing on cold days in order to get there and then they get there and they find out they're powerless the only yeah. way they have yeah. any influence is if they toe the line if they do exactly yeah. what's expected of them and then maybe in a few years they'll have some influence and those people who stay and stick it out well they have to not they don't get to fix the system they get to be purveyors of the system and they forget all about the idealism they went there with right they're they're, they're corrupted by the system i i actually think your system point is an important one and the best we can hope for what we need is a more limited sense of what's possible the best of what we can hope for is to have a system that is so good that it produces basically good outcomes, even if bad people are in charge of it. So I agree with that. I, I, mm -hmm. I'm not saying rules are unimportant. Rules are really important. And if you look at the founding documents, if you look at the Federalist Papers, that's the way the U.S. Constitution was written. Even if it were true that the people in charge are bad, the system will still, it, it should be robust enough that it can still produce relatively good outcomes because people have an incentive to try to compete with each other for elections. So the, what my difficulty is that what the left wants to do is create a new system where politicians, bureaucrats, uh, experts, people who are in charge of vaccinations, of masks, of uh, foreign policy, all of them are insulated from electoral pressures. Now, I'm a fan of expertise. I have a PhD. I think expertise is great. But unaccountable expertise in a democracy is just not going to work. What you're going to see is a contest for who gets to name the experts. And that's mm -hmm. what's happened to the Supreme Court. My friends on the left are very upset 
So the Supreme Court was this very powerful thing that got to impose outcomes that they wanted. Not surprisingly, the right said, we're going to organize to get some control over the Supreme <laughs> Court. And then when it happened, the left is saying, oh, oh, this is terrible. We've got to get rid of this. You guys caused it by politicizing the Supreme Court in the first place. You're better off just taking the institutions of the Constitution and trying to work within them. We're talking to Mike Munger. He's a professor at Duke University in political science, where he used to be the chair of the department. And it's um, it, it's kind of scary to hear you talk about this because the disconnect that people feel between what they believe and and what reality is, this is just it's just scary. How do we get people to see clearly? And I've got another question, which you can maybe fold into this. And that is when you look at the Constitution, which you referred to the founders having built it in a certain way that the the mechanisms would limit the influence of the people to do the wrong thing once they got power. Can you tell us what, in your mind, the difference is between what was designed and what we have today? The biggest one was the power that was supposed to stay with the states. So the, the Commerce Clause was supposed to prevent the states from regulating each other. That is, New York can't impose a tariff on products from Connecticut. That's great. That all makes sense. But there has been an expansion of the power of the federal government at expense of the power of the police and education functions of the states. Mm -hmm. The advantage of having that is that having control closer to the people in states and then in cities means that the local officials are more accountable to differences. And if it doesn't work, people can move from state to state. So I, I think the big difference has been a concentration of power in the person of the presidency. I think the founders would be horrified. If they, and again, I'm not making a partisan point. Trump or Biden, they would be horrified at the, the concentration of the, the power in the presidency and the unelected bureaucracy. And I think that the concentration of the federal government as opposed to the states, all of those things violate the constitutional intentions. Now, you might say, well, we have to do that or we'll get nothing done. And I'm actually a little bit sympathetic to that because the, the conflictual nature of the U.S. federal government, some people look at this and see stability. Some people look at it and see rigidity. That is, we can't ever accomplish anything. And they imagine that if we could just get majorities and do what we want, then we could accomplish our object. The, the problem with the U.S. Constitution is you have to persuade a whole lot of people before you can make any changes. And that's frustrating if you look in the mirror and you see a god. You say, gosh, you look good. You're so smart. You know all these deep truths about what policy should be. And so, yes, the, the idealistic people who go into the state legislature and say, I'm going to go there and make changes, and nothing happens, they want to try to change the system to make it possible to do things quickly. And you can't do that. You have to persuade a lot of people, and that's very frustrating to people who know the truth. Ironically, the federal government has grown immensely in terms of its power in our system, to such an extent that I think you'd agree that we now operate extra constitutionally, that we have this huge, morbidly obese federal government filled with these agencies that don't even 
pay, pay any mind to the people we've elected to represent us in Washington. And yet, and all they do now is they don't actually change anything. They just spend tons of money promising changes. Yes, and they make new rules which are then contested for years. Basically, if you want to try to accomplish anything, if you, if you want to have a new business, uh, if, if you want to have a new product, the, the set of licenses – well, I've, I've actually made comparisons between the U.S. and uh, many socialist model, the country of Sweden. Mm-hmm. Sweden is a more capitalist country than the United States in many ways. It, it is easier to start a new business. It's easier to get permits. Sweden has actually cut back dramatically on the set of new regulations and the size of their public sector. So the, the United States, I wish it were more like Sweden. Uh, we, we would have to get rid of a whole lot of our government in order to match Sweden. Because of the regulatory apparatus we've built? Yes. Yeah. What you said, that we, the, the, your, your description of it was right. There's this enormous structure. Their only job really is to make rules. So if you look at the Federal Register, it comes out once a month, and it's as big as a phone book. Now I realize no one under 40 has ever seen a phone book. But there used to be this thing called a phone book, and it's as big as a phone book every month. And these are new rules and regulations. I I think there's 30 feet total of federal regulations. Very few of those are statutes. It has been estimated that most people commit two or three felonies every day because (laughs) we don't know of the rules that have been created by federal bureaucrats. And to be fair, that's their job. I don't don't want to blame the federal bureaucrats. What they're trying to do is what Congress has told them. So Mm -hmm. this is a system that is turning inward on itself. And I'm afraid that the U.S. is going to end up a lot like Argentina where you, you've got this country that is fairly wealthy, can't accomplish very much, and anything somebody wants to try is going to be restricted by some bureaucrat. Last year, Ezra Klein, who's a podcaster for the and writer for the New York Times, did a he's a liberal guy, and he, he did a podcast exploring what happened to liberalism, which loved to do big things with government. And he, what he concluded was that they had built so many regulatory schemes to protect people from being trounced by the power of government, that they made government powerless to actually do the big things that they wanted government to be able to do. And it, yeah. it sounds similar to what you're saying. Right. And, but it's, it's important that it comes from Ezra Klein, because to be fair, he's a smart guy. He actually does want government to do things. He took a serious look at the problem and said, look, we've done this to ourselves. It's fascinating. Mike Munger, it's great to talk with you. Uh, the, the column we're referring to is called what again? Unicorn Governance, and it's at the Foundation for Economic Education, FEE, website. It's great to chat with you. Thanks for taking the time to join us. I hope we'll be able to do it again. Thanks very much. It was a pleasure. All righty. Bye-bye. Mike Munger from Duke University, where he teaches political science. He says, well, you heard what he says, it's a fantasy, this idea that people have, that government will do what they want it to do. We're going to the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center, where great things always happen. Mark Christopher with the latest on the roads. Mark. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Don't stress. Listen to the podcast at WTIC.com or on the free Odyssey app. Free Odyssey! Free Odyssey. 860-522-9842. Mike in Plainville, hello there. Big Mike. I have yet to hear from one caller to say that the system worked in regards to this balloon incident. Now, they already knew what was on there for a payload. We have so much technology. We have satellites. We have ground, ground technology. We have NORAD. I have yet to hear someone call in to say maybe it did, did work, it didn't pose a threat. Let's let it overfly the country, then take it down over the Atlantic Ocean. It's happened before, they claim. Yes, I think you're right that anything that was transmitting or, you know, no. electronics that were doing an electronics thing, we would know about. We would have detected that. We're in a, we're in a day where people, there's so much cynicism. People are cynical today. They, oh, my God, that was, it's this, it's that. They don't know what it is. We have so much technology today. We have law enforcement as technology. They can look at a house made of brick or stone. They can tell how many people are inside the building because of heat, heat sensors. If you have eight targets in the house, you can, you you know. Even through stone? Even through stone, through anything. Steel, Mm -hmm. stone, anything. Yikes. And I can't blame people for being cynical, but uh, maybe uh, there was a leak uh, that this, this is just a big, a big monster made, made up by the media. This has happened before. This isn't the first time. Well, are you saying we should believe what the government is telling us about the balloons? Maybe in this case, yeah. Really? Wow. It's not the government. I mean, we have a, it's our military. We have well, the military is the government. One of the biggest, most uh, 
gluttonous consumers of American money is, is of course, but still their 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 job is to protect this country, and I think they do a a very good job. They have the assets, they have the hardware, they have the money, obviously, and I think uh, you should maybe give the five branches plus well, actually six now with the space force, maybe give them a little bit of credit. Oh, no. Well, you know, I'll give them credit for what they know. I agree with you. They have their competencies, and they're very good at fighting certain kinds of wars because we have invested a huge amount of money in the weapons to fight those kinds of wars, which means that mostly people fight when they're wanting to fight us. They fight different kinds of wars that we don't have the, the skill to fight well, and we don't have the right kind of attitude and munitions and stuff it's very interesting i i think that we make a terrible mistake with our loyalty to the funding that the military receives because we only view it as a positive great we've got a great military well we have a great traditional military we've done a disastrous job in wars that are where we're facing a, a guerrilla type war where we are england and they are the American patriots, so to speak. 860-522-9842. We're going to the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center, checking in with Mark Christopher. Hey, Mark. Now, back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Oh, yeah. We've got stuff to talk about, don't we? The world just keeps spinning and spinning and spinning. Spinning our way is Chris Powell. Chris, welcome back, Journal Inquirer. Nice to have you here. Uh, great to be with you, Todd. So you wrote an interesting column on spending in schools in the state of Connecticut, and apparently the Democrats are curious at where all the money is going. Yeah, I, I don't know how they can be terribly curious. I mean, it's been, uh, you know, uh, open record for 50 years that most of the money we spend on uh, public education in Connecticut goes to personnel. It goes to teachers and administrators. But the uh, Democrats in the state Senate are introducing legislation that they say is uh, going to bring more transparency to uh, to this uh, spending. They, they they say that you know some towns don't quite tabulate their spending the same way that that other towns do. But I'm not sure that it really makes much uh, much difference. I mean, 85 percent or so of the money. In schools, uh, Connecticut goes to personnel. So, I mean, what's to uh, uh, examine here? I think what should be examined is, is what we're getting for the money. Um, uh, it was funny, uh, the press conference the Democrats had the other day that the Senate chairman of the uh, Education Committee, uh, Senator uh, Doug McCrory of Windsor, uh, said that we're not properly educating the uh, uh, minority kids in, in the cities. Well, geez, you know, uh, this goes back for almost 50 years. There was the Horton versus Meskel school financing case in 1977 that officially noticed this disparity in, in, in results. And ever since 1977, we've been rewriting the school aid, school aid formula, you know, every year, every other year, pouring more money into, uh, into the schools, especially the the schools and the impoverished cities, and what do we got for it? Well, even Senator McCrory says we're not educating the kids. Well, we weren't educating them, you know, 46 years ago. We're not educating them today, and I'm, I'm just wondering, uh, uh, maybe the problem isn't the money. 
Well, uh, maybe what they care about is spending the more money and not worried about the more education. But it's been clear for a long time that this whole idea of, say, desegregation, they set up these straw men, it strikes me, where, okay, everything will be fine if we only desegregate. So then they invest and fight for desegregation and spend billions of dollars on desegregating schools that never get desegregated. But at least they're fighting for desegregation. Meanwhile, nobody focuses on just educating. And yeah, well, how about back requiring in the kids when, Back in 86, when we passed the Education Enhancement Act, the mantra uh, back then was everything will be all right if we just raise teacher salaries. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, 1986, you know, what's that? Uh, you know, more than 30 years ago? Uh, and... Well, we raise teachers' salaries. They're either the highest in the country or they're nearly the highest in the country. And we we have the same uh, problem in uh, student performance that, uh, you know, we had 20, 30, 40 years ago. Um, and what do we do? We, we, well, let's throw some more money, you know, at the teachers <laughs> or throw more money at uh, yeah. desegrega- desegregation. Uh, I don't think it's any coincidence that right now the Connecticut Education Association is running a big TV commercial campaign about how, you know, teachers should be credited for, you know, all the other occupations and professions because, you know, they teach all the kids growing up. And, you know, there's there's some truth to that. But I think they're running the commercials now because the legislature's in session. There's going to be another move to rewrite the school aid formula and increase teacher salaries. And it's all just propaganda. I, I just wish people would... Just, you know, go back and look at the the results. Is is the objective of education in Connecticut to raise teachers' salaries, or is it to educate kids? It's funny how successfully these kinds of campaigns work. I I think the, the bottom line of what you're saying is that the purpose of education is to spend as much money as possible so that as many people as possible will feel loyal to the party that fights to get them more money every year. And that that's that's what makes the wheel go round. And all this other stuff is a con. Is that how you look at it? Yeah, I'm I'm afraid that education is in Connecticut is indeed mostly political political patronage. I mean I mean how can the Senate chairman of the Education Committee, you know, 46 years after the Horton versus Meskel case officially acknowledged we're not educating the minority kids in the cities, it's not working. How can he, he say that, uh, uh, oh, you know, we're not educating them and, you know, we, we need more transparency? I mean, it, this has been up on the state's plate for 46 years. You didn't notice it last year? You didn't notice it the, a few years before that? I mean, uh, We've been doing money, 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 money uh, since Horton versus Meskel in 1977. What have we gotten for it? We've got we just got an acknowledgement from Senator McCrory that it's not working. So what are we going to do about it? But I feel like we're held victim in society today. Now, in Connecticut and all around the country, it's the same ball game where education public education doesn't teach to the levels that we expect it to the results are not there and as long as we keep fighting to spend more money then voters think oh we're good on education they're working to improve education because they think 
there's a connection between how much you spend and how much you get out at the other end, when in fact there is no connection because the money yeah, well, isn't really investing in education. It's investing in the political machinery that is the glue that holds the education system together. Yeah, it's certainly, certainly a distraction. I, a few years ago, I, I asked the state education department if they had any uh, documentation to show that there was correlation between uh, per-pupil spending and student performance. And they told me, they, no, they didn't have any. And I should ask them again, but I think, you know, we got a pretty much got an uh, inadvertent acknowledgement from the Senate Democrats the other day uh, that, uh, you know, we're failing the minority kids in the cities uh, even as we, we raise spending every year. So what do they want to do? They want to raise spending every year. Um, I, I think... Todd, in addition to just paying off the teacher unions, which are, you know, a big factor in the Democratic Party, uh, they want to distract from the responsibility that parents in Connecticut have and the responsibility that they're they're not they're not living up to. I mean, the education department announced uh, a couple of weeks ago that the the chronic absenteeism rate in Connecticut schools uh, is 25 percent now. Of course, in the cities, it's closer to to fifty percent. Um, why aren't kids coming to school? I suspect it's because their parents and and the students themselves realize that under Connecticut's main educational policy, which is only social promotion, there's no need for them to come to school. Uh, a few years ago, in the school financing case that was before Judge McCausher, uh, he paid uh, particular note to. Uh, the uh, the kids in the city school systems that were being graduated from from high school uh, illiterate. Uh, well, you know why they don't go to school? They don't have to go to school to get a diploma. They don't have to go to school to graduate from grade to grade to be be promoted. We have social promotion, and you know when they get out of school, uh, many of them who are not showing up as they they should, they're living in households that are comprehensively supported by welfare benefits, which are not tied to any educational attainment. They're not tied to even getting your kids to school. I, I think maybe we have this huge uh, chronic absenteeism rate because, you know, so many kids and so many parents have figured out, hey, you don't have to go to school. We're talking to Chris Powell from the Journal Inquirer, but maybe those parents have learned the lesson that they're being taught by the Democrats, that the only thing that matters is how much you're spending on education. And if you're spending enough, then education is successful. Yeah, well, certainly I don't see any movement in Connecticut uh, for accountability in education. I, I see no, no, no movement that, that wants to examine results. Uh, the, look, student proficiency in Connecticut, uh, according to the National Assessment of Educational Progress tests, has been declining since at least 2011, which was a decade before the the, the virus epidemic. But you know, what, what do we do? I mean, look, what was it? A week ago, two weeks ago, uh, Speaker Matt Ritter was pounding the podium at the legislative office building, saying, you know, we got to get another 245 million dollars in in education aid to, to towns. Uh, I mean, come on, look at the results. When have we ever gotten more education for the money? In, in, in the last 46 years since we've been paying attention to this issue, since Horton versus Meskel, what has the extra money gotten us other than uh, a better paid uh, constabulary for the Democratic Party through the teacher unions? 
Well, you paint a very accurate and discouraging picture, I think, Chris Powell. It's nice to hear your particular take on things because uh, it reinforces mine. So it makes me particularly <laughs> happy and depressed at the same time. <laughs> I'm glad to help, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chris. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It is, isn't it gross? The purpose... Now, this is true of all of government. What Chris just painted a, a beautiful picture of is that whatever the intentions were back at the beginning, whenever the beginning was, whatever point you wanted to start to measure, the, the real purpose now of this machinery, the real purpose of public schools and the people they employ and the cozy deals made with education unions, the real purpose of it all, the retirements and the bankruptcy of the state, is to perpetuate the power of those who are elected to hold public office, who negotiate the deals with the unions, to make sure that the only thing that ever changes is that the members of those unions keep getting more money and at the same time the quality of education keeps going down which is why the governor will run around and talk about how Connecticut has the best education system in the country how great it is we're just trying to keep you safe we're just trying to cut taxes everything every message from government is the opposite of what reality is and the point is to keep you baffled and dazed and confused for so long it's not true. It's just a very, very outrageous scam of all the scammers in all the history of all the world. I don't know if there's ever been a machinery of such pure evil and destructiveness as what government has become today, particularly in the state of Connecticut. Everyone is conning you, and everybody is robbing you blind, and nobody is delivering the product they promise. But they do it with an aw shucks, back-slapping attitude designed to make you feel they're really nice people. And the nice people can't be robbing you blind like they're Bonnie and Clyde, but they are. They're Bonnie and Clyde with no weapons, no weapons required except a microphone and a TV camera and secret backroom deals that are visible if you bother to look, but nobody bothers to look because everybody's anesthetized by this flow of money. It's shocking and depressing and outrageous, but this is American society today. This is why we are dying as a country because the money gets robbed through legitimate means and it pumps through the heart of a diseased, decrepit system that doesn't do what it's supposed to do. That is the state of things. I don't say it to get you depressed. I'm not depressed. I say it so you can see what's real and believe what's real. It's all right there in front of us. But it's hard for us to see what's true when all we hear from the people in government is lies. When all they do is paint beautiful pictures of what wonderful things they're going to accomplish for us. Listen to the governor talk about cutting taxes. 
He keeps cutting taxes, but the government keeps getting bigger. How is that? Think about that as you hear him with his happy attitude towards all the destruction that he reaps. 860-522-9842. Call in a rant. 860-751-4698. We're going to do the rant line in just a few minutes. Right now, though, Mark Christopher in the BVS Lawyers Traffic Center. How are we looking on the roads, Mark? T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 